You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Today is Monday, September 3rd, and you're listening to the Red Sox Beat Podcast here on the CLNS Media Network. I am Jared Scally alongside Jess Thomas. Hi, Red Sox fans. Welcome in. Red Sox Beat, CLNS Media, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for your Boston Red Sox on Twitter, I tell you every week, it's at Red Sox CLNS for all the coverage across the network. Our show specifically is Red Sox Beat Podcast on Facebook. Go rate, review, subscribe to us on iTunes. Playoffs are almost here. Last week of the, well, not last week, last month of the season. Um, things are heating up. Red Sox are eh. We'll talk about it all. But uh, Jess is here. I'm here. What's going on, Jess? Well, not too much. Just enjoying this Labor Day special of... Uh... Red Sox beat when you're 95 win Red Sox, Ugh. which is more yeah. than the last two years already, and it's only September 3rd. Yeah, and I'm still <laughs> worried about them. Yay! Um, let's start. Let's start about with the worry. So they have four games set against the White Sox. They split it, and that's kind of where I want to start real quick. Just just because this was a series that they struggled in, and luckily, luckily, the Yankees are just as much of a problem right now as the Red Sox are, because they didn't do too hot against the Tigers this weekend either, so you're still leading by seven and a half games. Um, oh no, it's eight, eight and a half, half after today. Eight and a half after today, because they have a week of the a day of the Atlanta Braves series, but after the White Sox series, it was seven and a half, and it could have been higher, and I just watched some of that series, I didn't, watch, I didn't get a chance to watch all of it, I'm clearly happy I didn't, but... They struggled more than they should have, and they got players back. Erod made a start. Vasquez was back in there. Just I'm I'm not concerned 100, percent but that series isn't a good sign for this team going forward, is it? No, it's not great, but it's weird because there's just a couple teams like that that you just struggle against. And the Sox finished uh, one game under 500 against against the White Sox this year in two series. They lost two out of three and then split two and two. But just the series before the Sox split with the White Sox, the White Sox beat the Yankees two out of three also. So, like, they're doing this to, like, all the good teams. So, I don't know what it is. They have a terrible record. They've definitely been playing better recently. So, it's hard for me to put too much stock in it because they have been playing better. It's not like they've been getting destroyed by every team and then all of a sudden they come in here and, and split a series. But, you know, in Chicago, splitting two and two, you gotta, I mean, I know they don't, they're never going to say this, but don't you think there's probably a little complacency setting in? Um, look at the standings; you see how far ahead you are, and it's just like, <laughs> is it that? Is it that much like effort to go win three out of four from the White Sox? You know, I could see it. Oh, for sure, because you know these guys are these guys are well on their way of feeling like they're going to win the division. It's going to be wrapped up, whatever it may be. 
I, I can see the complacency. I, I can get that point. It's just a matter of you're not, I don't know if this is necessarily over yet, and that's where I'm like, crap. You need you need to like you know figure this out because it's I, over. I don't see it. Uh, <laughs> it's not necessarily. I I think it could be like over over after this weekend, and that's just because I look at it as a a situation where if you struggle a little bit this week, Yankees catch up. You still have to play Yankees six more times. And that's the only thing. If it was three more times, great. You're probably done. But because you have two more series against the Yankees, the last series of the year is against them. That series could mean something if you start to slip up here. It's just crazy that you're still talking about playing for the division when you have a 95 and 44 team. It's obviously it's because the Yankees are really good too, but it's just like any other season, if you have that record... You would not even be thinking about it. You probably got by like 15 games right now, if most seasons. Probably like 20. Yeah. Like 15 to 20, like 17, 18 game lead. And it, I mean, it's eight and a half. So we're really not that worried because eight and a half is still quite a bit for a month left in the season. But it's just crazy we're even talking about that to me. So, yeah, it is important. You know, you want to beat the teams that you should beat. So losing two of four against the White Sox obviously wasn't ideal. Fortunately, beat the Marlins for both, both of the uh, games earlier in the week, which was important obviously and then today on monday beat the braves uh, in the first game of the series so it's good you're getting some wins against these teams but these are the games you do need to win because you know if you do lose a series to the astros or split with the yankees or something like that then that's where it gets a little hairy with the division so winning these games that you can win and should win that's where it's important and they did get several of those this week even though they did lose twice to the white Sox. but that was the only time they lost and so. it's and it's helping you at least pad the numbers so that if so you have you slip up one of these series against the yankees you might be okay um right. i mean the red Sox offense you know we talked about this a little bit in the last show too where it was uh where the hell have you been um you know this team was losing because the red Sox couldn't put the ball um in play and then the pitching wasn't doing great well after that series against the Rays, which just we don't even want to talk about, it looks like this week these bad teams have started to spark this offense up a little bit. You, you win 8-7, and you spark eight runs there. You win 14-6, 11 runs in the seventh inning against the Marlins on, the, on Wednesday last week. Can I tell you, I was at that game, and I felt like I was never sitting down. That like Every second I, shat, I sat back down with who I was with, we both sat, stood right back up. It, it was just... A crazy inning. I've never seen anything like it. But that's what the offense needed, Jess. It was something like that to come out of themselves, figure it out. And now they've been scoring runs. The only blip was a couple bad games against the White Sox, and you throw them out, you're scoring six, eight runs and all these wins, and you're going to start to need to do that more and more because it looks like, to me, if they're going to win games, they need to give the bullpen a little bit of a pad just in case. Yeah, the wins this week were eight runs, 14 runs, nine, six, and eight. So like you said, very very high average yeah that marlins game was insane i mean the game reminded me of course was uh in 2003 also against the marlins when the Sox won 25 to 8 and scored 14 runs in the first inning and i happened to be at that game in 2003 that game was nuts that was insane and it's against the same team it's funny it's against the marlins again and the marlins actually won the world series that year which made that even funny but being in that game was insane so i feel you there because you were never sitting down 11 runs on 12 hits in the seventh inning. And none of them are home runs. None of them are no. home runs. Like, all singles and doubles. I mean, it was crazy. Mostly singles. But it's, what, I saw the stat on Elias that it was the it was the first time that a team's gotten 12 straight hits without, without or 12 straight, like, plate appearances with a hit. Because, like, the two outs were a sack fly and a, and a sack bunt, which isn't, or no, it was a sack, it was a sack bunt and a uh, intentional walk. Yep. 
neither of which count as the bats. So <laughs> it was, it was. I mean, it was historic and it was insane. It was just single, 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 single. It was just like run after run. They couldn't stop the bleeding, and all, it was five to three. And all of a sudden, it was, you know, uh, fourteen to five. Yeah, turned real quickly. They used like four pitches in that inning. It was wild. So that was really good after a after a shaky game before, where you had to win on a walk off after a pretty poorly played game by both teams end up scoring eight runs and then come out and score 14 runs in the next game kind of set the, the week off uh, on on a good on a good note and continued on with another win against the white Sox. so this offense is important we know that it's been important all year long and that's the reason that this team's so good for the most part and they did it again this week so that's that's encouraging because any like you said anytime you can give the bullpen any bit of, any bit of pad then that's 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 key do you think this team can win well, I'm not rephrase the question. Do you think the offense needs to be this good to win? I don't think it needs to be this good because the starting pitching is good. Obviously, it would make you feel better because no one seems to trust the bullpen, which I get in a sense because they have struggled from time to time. They also have one of the best TRAs in the league, so it seems kind of misleading if you're looking at numbers. I guess num- I know numbers don't tell the whole story, but there are some guys who are pretty dominant out there, like Ryan Brazier which is hilarious, but he's awesome. So, yeah, I, I don't think they have to be this good, but it certainly would help. But I don't think it's necessary for because the starting pitching is pretty good, especially with Erod coming back and pitching as well as he did. That just gives you another another uh, starter that you can rely on. And obviously, I think if any if this week showed anything, it's that Erod's a lot more reliable than Yavaldi is. So Yavaldi might be going to the bullpen. Well, this is looking. Yeah, he's not looking very good. Um, no, which is crazy because you got such fool's gold the first couple starts with Ivaldi, and now it's just been all downhill uh, from there. So I, I don't know what they're going to do with him, but I, I look at the offense, especially after this week, and go, you need to score some runs to win games in October because besides Chris Sale and even then, what are you getting? None of these guys have proven it. And even then, Chris Sale really hasn't, but I just think Chris Sale's one of those guys that I will give him the benefit of the doubt at least for a second playoff game ever. Um I need this offense probably to score four runs a game on average to be comfortable with any sort of lead. Um, I think they can win four or five. If they score six or more runs, they're probably going to win every game they play. That being said, I I look at the pitching, especially with the health, and go, I'll take a couple losses now if that means price and sale are healthy going into the postseason. And, you know, sale and price are supposed to be potentially coming back this upcoming weekend, the homestand which would be awesome. Chris Dale said he feels fine. He feels really good to go. Price, obviously, we know got hit in that Marlins game, which was also annoying to be at that game and have him come out. But he got hit in the, uh, in the wrist, said it was fine. But So he's kind of working his way back slowly, but there's a chance that they're both back this weekend. You need those guys healthy. Yeah, you don't want them to be rusty, so you don't want them to be out too long. But those two guys, I think, are very important with Erod probably being the number three guy in your rotation because I don't trust Porcello right now. You need those three guys to be their best selves, and you need the offense to score at least six runs a game, or you might have another tough October on your hands, and that's hard to say because this team has 95 wins in in the beginning of September, but it's just the way it's shaking up, at least for me right now when I watch this team. Yeah, it's just how baseball is. It's, you know, No matter what your record is, you need things to be clicking and working right at the right time, so we'll see if that happens but yeah i agree with the runs because if you get you know if you get three or four then you're hoping that your starter only gives up like one or two runs and then that means your bullpen has to you know save a 
one or two run lead basically so that's kind of to your point like if you get six or more then your starter can still have a few runs and you still have a few runs to spare with your bullpen so i think that's key yeah six six or more runs is definitely a good a good benchmark and that's kind of what they were doing this week so that kind of showed you that um yeah i love that sale and price are getting rest because obviously the more the healthier and stronger and less tired they are in the playoffs the better because you got to have those two guys and i think price would have come back this week this start if they weren't playing in atlanta because the pitcher has to bat and i'm feeling like the reason they didn't bring him back this week was because he'd have to bat and then that's obviously another thing that you have to do with your wrist so i think that he probably could have come back for the series and they just said nah we don't want you to bat come back the next start so it works he gets an extra rest he gets yep. an extra break so he only pitched three innings in the start he got injured in and then another break so it's almost like two games off it's like it's like a game a game and three quarters off so <laughs> i think that's good for him and then sale will come back he'll come back erod's obviously gonna be fresh because he missed he missed, you know, missed a month and a half so right. that's important too so i think really the guy you want to rest now is porcello just because he's pitched the most innings on this team and like you said he's he's had a little trouble the last couple starts and maybe that's because he's pitched too much and not gotten any rest so maybe they can make up an injury for him and he can take a start or two off here at this point because i mean you don't need all these guys pitching at the same time because you have such a big lead so i'd say this is the time to, i mean they're not going to just i doubt they're going to make up a phantom thing for porcello but i'm sure it benefit him to get a, a start off so we'll see what happens but I like that all these, most of these starters have been hurt or missed some time or starts here or there because that's that's going to help. It, it has to. Give Rick Porcello the uh, Chris Sale 10-day DL treatment. Uh, that would be nice. Uh, I, I look at this and go, the offense needs to be there. The pitching needs to be there. Obviously, that's, a, that's just baseball 101. I just need the pitching to not suck because this offense is good enough that if the pitching just shows up and is okay, your offense is probably going to win you a best four out of seven series. Because that's right. just how good this offense has been, um, and, and I don't think they're going to click stop clicking anytime soon. One guy that's a big part of that is my guy Xander Bogarts. You know, we know he's had a good year. You and I know that, but I think people are overlooking him a lot just because of who's on this team. You have Mookie Betts, you have JD Martinez, the top two guys in the MVP race for the, the league are on the same team. So I think Mookie, Xander Bogarts is a big part of what he's doing. He's six in the AL in RBIs. Um, and I think we just know how good he is with the bases loaded. He's always been, he's always been good with two strikes. And that's a very thing, a very big stat that he's always been good with. Even in slumping, he's always been good at two strike as a two strike hitter. This guy is so important to this team because of what he does at shortstop. I think his defense has gotten so much better since when he first came up. Just and I think that's a big reason why they stay to entrust him long term. But as, I think last year people it's showing more and more what last year was was this, he really just was hurt. His wrist wasn't right last year. He couldn't hit the ball. And this year he seems healthy. And even after that scare in the towards the middle of the year, he seems fine. Offense is clicking. He's a big part of what they're doing. And he's like the ideal five hitter for what this lineup needs right now. Right, which is which is deadly if you get the bases loaded like him in the fifth spot because that's like the perfect spot in the order to get the bases loaded. And he's 8 for 12 with three grand slams and 27 RBI with bases loaded, which is insane. That is unheard of. He's... he's He's like a bases loaded killer. So, yeah, he's he's. Uh, I just I wanted to to kind of single him out because you've hardly heard a peep about him this year for exactly the reason you said. Betts and Martinez, obviously, 
and they're going to be one of them's going to be the MVP. But like Bogarts has 17 more RBI than Betts does. He's only got 30 less hits than Betts. He's got one more double. Like he's putting up some great numbers. His average is a little lower at 281, but 19 homers, 88 RBI, 40 doubles. Those numbers we just read with the bases loaded, and like you said, super dependable at shortstop. He's gotten really solid there. So, I mean, he's crucial because. He's a he can be a feared hitter in the middle of your order, and he has been for like the last several months now. He's been ripping teams apart, but nobody talks about him because of because of who's on this team. So I mean, he's he's super important because if you have one of one of your big guns, like Betts or Martinez, Ben Benintendi, you know, one of them not hitting. If you have Bogarts hitting, then it's just like you just slot him in there and replace it. So he's crucial. Um, I just really wanted to give him some credit because he doesn't get very much, and people have soured on him in past years because of his you know, inconsistencies at the plate. But he's pretty much proven at this point, and he's been here long enough, that when he's healthy, he's really good. I think the only times he hasn't been good is when he hasn't been healthy, and that seems pretty like cut and dry to me. But people seem to not want to give him the credit that he deserves. But he's been healthy for almost this entire year, minus that ankle thing at the beginning of the year. Yep. And look at the numbers that he's paid everybody off with. He's playing great. So I, he deserves a lot of credit. Didi Gregorius or Xander Bogarts? Who are you taking? I think Bogarts because I think he's more consistent. Gregorius puts up good numbers you know, over like a full season, but he'll have like a streak that he had earlier in the year where he was like three for 50. Like, I know Bogarts is inconsistent. I was just Xander's not doing that. He's not right. doing that. right. That's because of injury, so I don't know what Gregorius' problem is, but he doesn't seem to be the most consistent guy in the world. And obviously, Bogarts has gotten really good at defense, like we said, so I I would pick Xander. And maybe that's because I'm a Red Sox fan. I don't know. Okay, but I'll give you a tougher you question. Put, Francisco, spot, so. Lin, Francisco Lindor or Xander Bogarts? Oh, Lindor. 100%. Okay, good. As much as I love Xander, it's in, it's Lindor. Uh, yeah, but no, I have, I have my fantasy team. I see what he does every game. He's got a lot of power for his size, and he just puts up the numbers. He's just really good. Lindor's a machine. Um, yeah, but Xander's, I think, is two across the board for shortstops. I think in the league, to be 100% honest. I think Xander's that good. Um, he's up there. Yeah, he's really up there. I don't think there's any question that he's a better player than Didi Gregorius is. Um I think, like we know, like you said, Didi has his sp- spots, and I think he's a really good player in this league, and I'm not questioning that at all. It's the, what have you done for me lately? And you can always you can ask that across the board all the way through the year. And what have you done for me lately? Xander Bogarts has basically done the same thing over and over again. And that's well, the consistency level. If you like stats, which I do. Which you swear by them. <laughs> Look at their stats. Xander's hitting 11 11- points better in average 281 to 270 bogarts is 88 rbi gregorius has 74 xander has 40 doubles gregorius has 22 that's all i need it's not even close <laughs> the stats man himself said it it's not even close and i agree if you watch an eye test or the stats say the same thing it's not even close it's xander bogarts 100 percent of the time okay people are questioning about the bullpen jess and we're kind of hinting at the pitching the waiver trade deadline just passed and so the second opportunity for our boy, Davey Dombrowski, to add somebody to the bullpen. Didn't do anything. And then he just said something, quote, I don't have the quote in front of me, so I'm totally paraphrasing here. But he basically said, we like what we have. We trust them to pitch out of it. We, we have a bunch of options. We didn't feel it needed to go get somebody. Did he not learn from 2013, Jess? Did he not learn from the Detroit Tigers coming into Fenway Park, and he lo- rolls out Benoit, against David Ortiz in the sixth inning 
and just has the bullpen blow the chance to go to like does he not learn from him his, his mistakes Jess? because this team literally is a carbon copy of what that Detroit Tigers team was really good offense pretty damn good starting pitching heck Rick Porcello's on the staff right and now you have a bullpen that no one trusts who's been pretty good all year because that bullpen wasn't terrible during the regular season the Tigers but no one trusted him it's, it's a similar thing. A bunch of guys who were good, but nobody believed in because they weren't like big names. Exactly. It's a carbon copy of that year. I believe wholeheartedly, and I've talked about this with a lot of people. I was actually talking about this with my brother today. If the if the Detroit Tigers of that year had an actual bullpen, they would have beat the Red Sox and probably went and won the World Series. Yeah. But they didn't. That concerns me now because, again, he did the same thing and didn't go at a bullpen arm twice now when it's been all that's been talked about since the spring training of, hey, you might need to get an arm eventually. Well, eventually came and gone, and he didn't do it. Well, so I guess the thing with this for me is that I wasn't very aware of exactly how it worked, but like with the waiver thing, since it's the non... No, it's the, it's the, the waiver, waiver deadline. Yeah, yeah, it's the waiver deadline. Yep. And I guess I, I didn't really understand it, but on the radio they were saying that the Sox were last in the waiver because I guess it goes by record. Yep. So every if they wanted someone, every other team would have a shot at them before the Red Sox did. I don't know if that came into effect. I guess it really doesn't matter from what you're saying because, like you said, he just defended that his, they liked his bullpen, like he said a month ago. Yeah. So maybe that wasn't the problem. I just know that there, a bunch of other teams could have gotten players before. So I wonder how much effect that had onto it. I'm not really sure because I'm not in there. I mean, I think of it, you know, I wish we were there. I, I mean, I think a right. big part of it this time around is there probably wasn't anybody worth going after for his, in his opinion or anyone's opinion, probably that was, was going to, yeah. well, that was going to get to them because if anyone right. was dropped on the waiver, someone who was actually worth it might've probably got claimed up beforehand and then a trade would have happened. So that's what I suspect. I'm more annoyed that he didn't do it. The non-waiver trade deadline. Yeah, I'm more yeah. annoyed that he didn't do it in July because that was the time to do it. There were some names going that didn't go for that much. Like he had the capital, and he said at that point, he said, you know, we could have made some moves. We have the capital to do it um, for a little capital that you have left. You know, some relievers were flying off the shelves for not a lot, Jess, in end of July. So I think that was the bigger one for me. But to see him come back, not make any moves again here, and say the same thing and defend his bullpen. I don't know what else I expect him to say, but like to come out and basically say, you know, we didn't really look too much. Um, we, we trust in what we have, and we have enough guys that somebody at the right night will get hot. Okay, so you're just basically saying you want to get lucky and hope Cora puts in the right person. And I, and, and I don't put any of this on Cora because how does Cora know which one of these guys in the bullpen is going to figure it out one night? He doesn't. Right. It's hard. It's really. I don't blame any of this bullpen crap on Cora. You can't because how do you know one night what Joe Kelly's going to do versus Brazier? Or Brazzers, how I like to call them. Like, you know, what What do you know? You don't know which one of these guys is going to figure it out or what? which one of these guys is going to actually crap himself one night versus the other. I guess that's ultimately the problem with the bullpen and what people have problems with. I keep saying people because I don't necessarily have a problem with it because I have undying faith in everybody. That's, but It's not uh, defined. It's, there's no roles. That's what I was going to say. It's You don't know who's going to pitch when because you don't know if Thornburg, Barnes, Kelly... Hembry, like you don't know which of these guys is going to Frazier is going to be the eighth inning guy or the seventh inning guy because they kind of all pitch at different points depending on who's pitching well at a certain point, a certain day. There's no lockdown. So. There's no there's no clear cut lockdown eighth inning guy that I'm saying no matter what's going on, it's him in the eighth and Kimbrel in the ninth. There's no they didn't they never have that guy because they wanted to be Thornburg. You think like based on the trade and then obviously before he got hurt and everything, you think it would be him. 
but that just that just hasn't really happened. He's kind of pitched everywhere, and he's been good. He's been bad. He's kind of been all over the place. So like that doesn't seem like they want to commit to him. And then like you have Barnes who pitched well for the whole season, but then he blew a couple games recently. So now it's like, oh, you know, I don't trust him. Joe Kelly was terrible before, and now he's gotten better. But is he good enough to trust him in the eighth inning? Brazier's been great, but he hasn't pitched very long in the majors. So he's been good, but do you trust him? in a pressure spot that he's never pitched in before. It's like all these guys are capable, but none of them have really secured the spot. So you still don't know who's going to get that spot. I guess that's most people's concern. No, it's, it's a massive concern. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing. It's the, if you have a bullpen, like think of all these bullpens that win you series, like the Roy- how did the Royals win their world series? The, the scariest bullpen of all. Like, you know, it's just these bullpens that win you world series are so scary. And it's just like, you think that, You'd have at least a lockdown eighth inning. I'm not even asking for seven, eight, nine. I just wanted somebody to pitch behind Kimbrel, so Kimbrel just didn't have to pitch in the eighth inning. And even then, now I watch Kimbrel, and I'm like, uh oh. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens with Kimbrel tonight. So I'm hoping that just clears itself up. He probably has a little bit of complacency right now um, because when these games were a lot more meaningful, he he was untouchable. So hopefully that changes when the weather gets a little colder here. But. I look at the eighth inning, it's a problem. It's been a problem all year. It never got addressed, and I think that's going to be the one, if anything, that really bites them in the uh, the keister and makes them go early, go out early. Well, I like he said the eighth inning because most people just complain about the bullpen as a whole, and I'm like, overall, they've been good. It's I, the eighth inning. Yeah, I think the well, problem is not knowing who's pitching the eighth. It's not that they're bad pitchers or they had a bad year. It's just you don't know who's going to pitch where. That's, that's well, the problem. And people who are listening, too, like, think about it this way. If you had an eighth inning guy and then all these guys to fill in the rest of the innings, no one would be mad about that. Right. Because you have talent you can figure out to pitch five, six, seven, however long you need because your starters aren't going long enough, whatever it may be. You just If you had a lockdown eighth inning guy and then nine, and you just, and the worst case was Ryan Brazier pitching seventh in the inning, like that's not a big deal. I don't mind that. But I don't trust any of them to go in the eighth inning because who knows what each of them are going to give on a certain night. Right. That's I don't necessarily problem. not trust them. I trust them. I just don't know who it's going to be. <laughs> that's the problem is, okay, who has the golden arm tonight? Let's figure it out. Like, they don't, they don't know. So, like, it's an right, impos- it's an, it's literally an impossible task for Cora. So, I guess it's just better to hope that your starter goes deep and your offense gives you enough runs. You basically, need to rely on that. But. It's basically their recipe for success. Okay. Right. Um, so, we had some guys come back September 1. Vasquez, Erod, Wright, Devers coming back. Uh, tomorrow, it sounds like, as we record this on Monday night, um, September call-ups obviously happened as well. But And then it sounds like Brendan Phillips is going to join the team. Yeah, well, He's going to bring, I don't know. But what's the importance of the Vasquez, Erod, Wright, Endeavor situation? They're getting healthy at the right time. You know, Vasquez has looked good since coming back in the game. Stephen Wright got in looked pretty good. Erod looked good on that start on Saturday. We'll see how Devers looks. But getting healthy at the right time, Jess, this, this is the momentum this team needs right now to get out of this little bit of a rut. Well, yeah, it's huge, and that's why this year has been so awesome because, as we've said many times in the show, whoever's gotten hurt, the next guy has just stepped up and just filled the spot, and they haven't lost a beat and they don't lose games. So that's huge because all these guys, Vasquez, Rodriguez, Wright, Devers, all these guys have been out for a significant amount of time now, so they're all getting the rest too. I mean, it's baseball. It's a long season. Guys need rest, and the best way to get rest is to get injured for a significant period of time, which is stupid, but it's true because the season's so long. So these guys all get their rest. Other guys fill in, and then you have more guys who are going to be good and fresh. So like, 
it's perfect. I don't wish injuries upon anybody, but it really helps out in these situations. And getting two starters back, well, I guess Wright's not a starter right now, but guys who have been starters, getting them back and then getting you know, getting your catchers back, because obviously that's been kind of a carousel with injuries because they've all been hurt except Leon for some point or another. So to get Vasquez back is important to have more depth at catcher position. And then Devers will come back and, and you'll have more infield positions uh, to have depth at. So you got, you're going to have a lot of options and everyone's coming back at the right time, which is very important. So it's a good time for people to come back and to figure out who's going to be playing well enough to be on the starting roster for the playoffs so it's all good here I, I love it I'd be intrigued to see if Brandon Phelps could do anything because we know what the other guys do it's value they come back they go back to what they were doing especially with the pitching and now you're going to get we like we talked about selling price back eventually with some good rest right they could use it um, so th- th- these guys will be fresh which would be nice going into the playoffs but Brandon Phelps is coming up and I don't I'm curious to see what he can do for this team um, he been he was lighting it up for a while down there with the Paw Sox, the soon to be Worcester Paw Sox. Um, the, I don't know what he's gonna do. I I don't, I don't know if he's even qualified to make a playoff roster. I don't know, but he was. T- I'm intrigued to see if he can still hit at the big league level. Well, yeah, because he's been good. You know, he's been good for for a pretty long time. He's 37 years old at this point. I mean, you think at this point he'd be more of a clubhouse guy. Because he's, he's raking in triple A so though. He was raking. Well, I know, but you wonder like is he gonna how much is he gonna play? Because like you have Kinsler who's played well. Nunez has been playing very well the last couple of weeks, been hitting some more homers and getting some more big hits, so like and then now Devers is coming back. So the guys that have been playing well or playing are already in his way. Yep. He's thirty seven years old, he's been playing for a while, people probably think he's washed up, so I just wonder how much time he'll actually manage to get. I guess we'll just see what he does in very short time, you know, one or two games, see if he has anything left in the tank. That's probably really gonna determine how much he plays because if he can't hit, they got plenty of guys <laughs> who can. So I don't know how much he's gonna play, but we'll see if he has a positive influence on the clubhouse. That's what I'm interested in. Don't forget about uh, Brock Holt, the rain delay wonder of them all. Um, that video is great. Uh, Brock Holt is so good for the clubhouse. It's not even funny. But, yeah, I'm intrigued by the Phillips situation. I don't know if he'll play a lot. I, I do like him for the clubhouse guy, especially as he's been there before. Um, so he's been around for so long that he will definitely help. And even if he's just around the team for September, I think it won't hurt. So before we get out of here, let's do predictions because this week, even though we know what happened tonight as we're recording, they won 8-2 to two against the pretty good Atlanta Braves um, coming out of nowhere this year. So, not a tough week. They have two more against the Braves and then three against Houston this weekend. So it's going to be uh, a tough road here this week. And so Jess and I will predict the rest of the game. So we'll do two against Atlanta, three against Houston. Jess, those two left with Atlanta. Rick Porcello, they don't have the Wednesday pitcher. Do we know who's pitching Wednesday? It's not up on ESPN on the schedule. I don't have it in front of me. No, yeah. They said, Cora said that um, they haven't named one yet. It'll probably be Velasquez unless they need him for relief on yep. Tuesday because. It yeah. would have been Price, but they don't want him. But to they pass. don't want him to pit. Yeah, right. So it's probably Velasquez. That's what I. That's what it should be. Um, right. But yeah, so bank on Velasquez. But that being said, two more against Atlanta in Atlanta. Might as well be home games for the Red Sox. That place was full of Red Sox fans today. Um, what do you have, Jess? Those two games. Uh, split for the last two, which will give the Sox two out of three, and they've played National League teams pretty well. Uh, obviously, get off to a good start with the eight and two, uh, eight two win uh, here on Monday. So. I think 
you know, who knows if the Velasquez start if he pitches, but I think Porcello will back, bounce back against the National League team, and I think two out of three is fair, which is good against a good team on the road. Yep, I would I originally coming into this week, I was going to say lose two out of three, but since they won the first one, that just won't happen because I'm going to say split the rest of the two um, because I trust Rick Porcello enough to beat this team, and then I just don't, like the Velasquez start, it's like that last-minute put-together start who knows who's going to start type thing, and I just don't trust that. Plus, it's an afternoon game after a night game. Um, so that whole thing just kind of gets wonky for me. Um, so I'm saying split those two games. I kind of expected them to lose today, and they didn't. So there, look, they're going to win two out of three to the Braves. Yay. Um, okay, so the big one for me this week is that Houston series. So they have three against Houston. Friday, Saturday, Sunday at home. Starts the home stand. They're home through like the middle of the month after that before they go on the road to play the wonderful New York Yankees. Um Erod, Johnson, and Price are slated to start as of right now. And look at that. David Price is slated to pitch at home on Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN. Again. Of course he is. Okay. I'm going to say two out of three against this one. You lose the Price start. That's just the way I'm rolling it. Um, I think Erod has been looked good. Brian Johnson has been wavering. But I think not being a night game for some reason will help him. Plus, I think he, they know what he needs to kind of figure himself out. And then Price and Keuchel. On Sunday Night Baseball, it's kind of like the dream matchup for ESPN. They're on, he, they get them on Sunday Night Baseball. We get to listen to Jess Mendoza and A-Rod again. Woo! Yes. Um, no, they're going to lose that game. So they're, they're going to lose two out of three. Uh, no, they're going to wait. Wait, what did I say? You said win two out of That's three. That's what I thought. That, yeah, game. they're going to win yeah. two out of three and lose the David Price pick. That's what I'm thinking. Okay. Um, I don't want to be this guy because I'm not this guy, but I'm going to say lose two out of three. Um, just fair. to keep things interesting here. It's fair. Um, I think you win the Erod start. I think you lose the Johnson start because Garrett Cole is really good and he's pitching against him. Uh, and then I think Price Keuchel's just like up in the air. I think that'll probably be like a really close, slow-scoring game, like to the later innings, maybe an extra inning, like two-to-two game or something. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think it could go either way, and why I'm picking Houston because it's going to be really close. So it's going to be a toss-up of who wins two out of three. I think one of them is going to win two out of three. Could easily be the Red Sox being a home game, but. For me, even if you lose two out of three, it doesn't tell you anything because I'm sure most people will be like, "Oh, I lose two out of three from Houston. Oh, Houston's gonna win the playoffs. Red Sox suck." Blah, blah, blah. It'll just be fuel for their stupid fire that makes no sense because this team's 95 and 44. So for me, it has nothing to do with that. It's just it's gonna come down to like a last at bat, and for whatever reason, I'm gonna pick Houston because I want to be different than I normally am. So I like I'm gonna it. Say lose two out of three. I like it. It doesn't mean much to me. No, I, I like it. And then the week after, you have against you're playing the Blue Jays and the Mets. Another week to hopefully clean house. Either way. Uh, you're cleaning house and winning the division that week. That's the week. Yes, sir. Um, just got to stay afloat <laughs> this week, big guy. Um, the Yankee series might not even matter, depending on what happens that week. Um, all right, we'll leave it there. Hopefully, hopefully David Price gets his crap together again on Sunday Baseball. Another wild card to remember people, he's coming back from this injury. So that could also be a reason he might come out early, might wimp out early. Typical David Price, who knows? We'll have to wait and see. I'm sure A-Rod's going to love talking about him. So we'll leave it there. At Red Sox CLNS on Twitter. Facebook is Red Sox Beat Podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe to us on iTunes as well. Next week, we'll be back with a guest. Um, we'll announce it on Twitter. We won't say it here. But we'll be back with a guest, um, an author, actually, Jess. We're getting a little scholarly here on the program. Um, until then, Jess over there, Jared over here. This has been Red Sox Beat here on the CLNS Media Podcast Network. We'll be back next week.